Thank you, ladies, for that. Good to see you this morning, and let's turn our Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, if you don't mind. And um, we're just going to learn some things here from the Word of God, but please continue to pray for, for Brother Alex Holowati as he, um, he recovers now. He had a good, good surgery, and he's uh, just pray for, for grace upon him as he recovers and I believe if all things go well, he'll he'll be um, he'll be out on Wednesday or Thursday. So Lord willing, and pray for Elizabeth during this time as well. And I appreciate those who prayed for Sister Parla over the course of this week as well. And her dad's funeral was yesterday in PNG, and so just uh, continue to pray for them as um, as they go through this time of mourning. And um, appreciate just, again, those who come already for conference. We're excited. We're looking forward to the week. And I know that uh, as a church, and uh, maybe, maybe just me, but I just, I just wanted to start already. But um, got, got a, had a good start this morning and uh, looking forward to just how the Lord's going to work through the course of the week. But uh, you understand, I think, that when it comes to the Lord and, and when you observe life sometimes, that... Uh, you know, with God, nothing happens by accident. And if you're, you're here and we, maybe you, you're not even really clear on, on why, why you're here this week, I want to tell you that God has a purpose in it. And God has, uh, has you here and he's got a, a, very, a very good reason. And, and you're, if you're sensitive to what God will do this week, you'll know that. And, uh, you know, already we heard this morning how we ought to have great confidence in the Word of God. And uh, I'm telling you this week, that's really the great emphasis of the week, is as much as we're going to fellowship, as much as we're going to uh, meet uh, old friends and new friends, and also have some, some uh, meals together and so forth, and have all of that, the, the main reason that we are here this week is because the Word of God is going to be open. And we're going to hear some preaching, and I hope that you've been uh, already just anticipating how God's going to work in that and uh, all sorts of um, all sorts of things throughout the course of the week. We've got a kids conference, we've been praying about that and, and also our, our youth sessions and, and so we're excited about what God's going to do this week and so church I wanted to tell you as well just uh, thank you for all your preparation and you know how it is, You sometimes you ladies know this, you spend all, all this time in the kitchen and you're preparing, it takes hours and hours and it takes half an hour to uh, feed the whole uh, family and it's all gone and it seems to be that way sometimes with with conference we put all the effort in and then it just happens so quickly but we are looking forward to the Lord working but we're not here by coincidence and in in life in in the Christian life there's no coincidences with God and and when we read through the book of Ruth as we have been over the course of the last couple of weeks we have understood the situation that Ruth and Naomi find themselves in now they They've gone from this dire situation to now finding themselves back in Bethlehem in Naomi's hometown in the place where she grew up. And uh, we understand that she's gone through a real difficult time in her life. And, and now she's brought back her daughter-in-law, a Moabitish woman named Ruth. And we find her gleaning. We find Ruth gleaning in a field. And we, last time we were in the book of Ruth, we spoke about what that means, how God providentially through his word and through the the, the governance of his nation uh, provided for those strangers and those who were widows and those who were fatherless and those who were poor. And, 
and there, there was meant to be a corner of the field where they didn't glean at all, they didn't pick up after themselves, anything that was left over there was left for those in need. And we saw that last week, and we find here in, um, in our reading this morning that really the protagonist of the story comes into, the, uh, into full view, we see Boaz, and, and, and we see that he begins to notice, uh, notice Ruth in her gleaning, and they have this, this dialogue that comes but I want to focus today on just the circumstances surrounding this. And, you know, when you read through the book of Ruth, it's not always evident um, in, in, in the way that the, the, the story is told. It's not always explicit in really how God is working. But when you read the, the, the book of Ruth and you read the narrative of it, you, you start to really see how God is working in the background. You start to see that actually God had it all laid out, and, and really we find them in a place where they were needing grace, and yet God leads them to this place of grace. God leads them to the very place that they need to be, and we find here in verse 3 that, that uh, Ruth is now going to the field, and she doesn't really know. She goes to a particular field, and in verse 3, she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and, and notice this phrase, and her hap was to light on a part of the field. And we know now, because the Scriptures recorded for us, belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. We know later on that she'll go and, and, and tell her mother-in-law, Naomi, that this was the part of the field where she was at. And she didn't really quite understand the significance of it until later on. But it just so happened. And I wonder if there's been anything in your life that it just so happened that it was just that way. That was just your hap. That just seemed to be the, the way that, that it, it just played out. And I remember when we first moved to Australia, my parents were involved in an independent Baptist church over in the Philippines, and, and God led our family to move over to Sydney. And we didn't really know anyone. We only knew one or two families who, uh, really, to be honest with you, they weren't Christians. They just, we just knew them. We had a connection with them. But we, we moved to a place, a suburb in Sydney called Harris Park, which is near Parramatta. And right there in that place, it was a, just a, a, I think it was a two or three bedroom unit. It was just in, the, uh, in, in just a building, just a random place we didn't know. And we moved in there, and there was, a, there was a particular way that we had to go to the shopping center. And at that point, we were seeking the Lord. My parents were seeking the Lord about which church to go to. We couldn't quite find one. We didn't know of a church. And so there was a particular way that we, my parents would go to Parramatta Westfield. And if you know that area, it's just a massive shopping center, isn't it? But it just seemed to be that we were going a certain way to that way. And one particular afternoon, just the same way that my parents would go every other afternoon if they needed to go shopping, there was a group of people there who were street preaching. And this group, you know, they, they were just there for that particular afternoon, and they were preaching away, and my dad noticed as he was listening, as he walked past, that they were preaching from the King James Bible. So, you know, he thought, well, no one else really uses the King James anymore, it must be Independent Baptist. So <laughs> he went over and he spoke to them, and it was a group of men from Liberty Baptist Church. And for those of you who know Pastor Keith Piper. So he and his, his group of men, they were preaching that afternoon, and there was one particular young man there, his name was Damien Demedio, 
and he was just a young man in the church, and they got along, and they got the information, my parents got the information from them, and we started attending that church for a couple of years. Now, fast forward a, another number of years, and God led us to, to move elsewhere to another suburb called Blacktown, out in the western suburbs, all right, I survived the western suburbs of western Sydney, all right, but we were over there, and we, we were looking, we were, my parents were only able to rent at the time, and they found this rental place that was two doors down from Blacktown West Public School. And it just so happened that was the only place that they got, they got approved for. So we moved there from, from uh, all the way from the inner west sort of to, through, to the west. And we moved there and, and two doors down, a Bible study, we didn't know, a Bible study had just started to meet in Blacktown West Pri uh, Primary School. And right there, there was a group of people who were believers who had just started a church. I started a Bible study, and pretty soon we started attending as we found out. They were a group of people. They were independent Baptists who had just started a Bible study. And I remember we started to attend it, and that church became what it was. It was Southland Baptist Church. And we began to attend, and we were part of the charter membership there. But it just so happened. And, and you know, there's many... Many things that in our lives that are that way, that sometimes if we're not thinking like the Lord is in control, we just think it's some sort of coincidence in our life. And, and yet I see, as I look back now, how God patterned that. And fast forward another couple of years when the church started, our church didn't have a pastor for a while. It was around 10 months, and, and we were praying through it. I remember that even as a young boy, around 11 or 12 years old, the long nights, my parents would pray with the, the group of the, the church, and they would go to, the, uh, to the, each other's houses to seek the Lord for God's leading for the next appointment, and it was a long time, it seemed, and then a name came up that really, in, for all reality, we hadn't really thought of for a while because we weren't part of that church anymore, but a name came up, Damien Demedio, who was the very same guy who was street, street preaching and he ended up being our pastor for many, many years. And I look at all of that, how God put us in the way. And I think about Naomi, uh, Ruth, where she just so happened to be in the field where Boaz was. And I began to think about the fact that, you know, God in, in his sovereignty and really in many other places of Scripture, you can see the clear working of God we sometimes see in, in, in books like the, the book of Job, a bit of an unveiling of how the spiritual realm operates. We look sometimes in, like in the book of Daniel where, where God is, 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 is sending messengers through to Daniel and we get a glimpse of how heaven works and how the spiritual realm works. But if you pay attention a little bit to your own life and think about how God has brought you to certain places and times and events, you're going to understand that God is above all and over all. And you're going to start to see that actually if you're paying attention and actually if you're just in the place and in the mindset that God is always working, that actually you're going to start to recognize God's hand in your life as well. That you're going to start to see that God puts you in places and God puts you in touch with people and God in all of that through the working of grace in your life will lead you to places of grace. And this is really where we find Ruth and Naomi. You know, the only solution 
to the, the, the place that they did find themselves in, in this dire situation with great need. It only could ever be solved by the grace of God upon their lives. And it was, it was grace that brought them to this place, really in the first place, Bethlehem, but in this particular place that was the field of Boaz. And what we find as we read, read through the, the, the initial discussion that they had there, that was Ruth was already had found herself in a place that really met her need. It already was a place where she understood this was a place that I could get at least some sort of sustenance and some sort of, uh, some sort of supply for our survival. And she continued to glean there. But then Boaz comes into the picture. And right from the beginning, it was, it was really Ruth's desire to find grace in her time of need. If you look at verse 2, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn. And notice this, After him in whose sight I shall find grace. She was already seeking for an answer. She was already seeking for some way for her need to be met. And you know, all of us here this morning, if we're honest, we have some sort of need that needs to be met. All of us here, we're seeking something. We're seeking for a solution. We're seeking maybe for some direction in our lives. Maybe we're seeking for some sort of, uh, some sort of solution to a very real and practical problem. And, and what we find in all of that is, is Ruth had the right mindset. She understood that she had a God, which was Naomi's God, but became her God, who was a God full of grace. That actually God could minister grace in her time of need. And so she sought for him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she did that and she found grace. She found a place. She found a field that was going to be a place of blessing for her life. She found a place where grace was going to be ministered to her. And, and what that is, is represent, uh, representative for us, really in, in, a, in a real general way, is just this. It's just God's will for us. You know, when we go about our lives and we, we decide and we this, we, we try to solve our own problems, the, the greatest thing that can actually come to the rescue for each and every one of us is really finding our place of grace. And you know what that is? It's just finding God's will for us. It's finding the place that God would have for us to be. It's finding the, the place where we're going to, in His sight, find grace. And Ruth was onto a good thing. She found herself in a place of goodness and grace. And, and this was a, a time where really she needed to understand and really see what God was doing and to stick to because that's the place really of blessing in her life. And I wonder if we would look at ourselves this morning and say we are in the place of God's grace. Are we where God wants us to be? Are we in a place where when we look at our, the summation of our lives and God has led us to this place. God has led us to this season of our lives. God has led us to this decision point. And we're recognizing that God, in all of His sovereignty, in all of His wisdom, in all of His leading, has led us right here. You know, sometimes we find that as we go about God's will, but also as we're led by God's Word. And we find in that uh, God's place and maybe even God's house and you know, I think about what, what was said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.14. says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, 
and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned of them. You know, sometimes we get onto a good thing. And sometimes God does lead us to a place of grace. But, you know, it takes a bit of devotion and commitment to continue in that. It takes a little bit of uh, what we learned this morning, uh, rootedness and confidence in God's, God's, uh, God's word and his scriptures and in God's salvation and all that God would have laid out for us. And, and it's understanding that, you know, when, when God places us in a place of grace, we, we better take great care and we better fulfill our part of the responsibility there as well. And that's what we find in this, this really this dialogue between Ruth and, and Boaz now. And there's just something about just being in that place of grace. Just being in the middle of God's will. Of understanding that our life, it's not full of coincidences. It's actually a life that God in His sovereignty and in His wisdom and in His power leads us along the way. And so we're going to see a couple of things here as we think about this place of grace and, and we, we're going to understand some things maybe in our lives as well that firstly, as we consider what has happened in this story and we consider how that applies for us, firstly, this place of grace really was in the first place an answer to Ruth's request. It was an answer to prayer. You know, there's many of us who we, we're praying for the will of God and I hope that that's true of you. I hope you're praying for God to lead you. I hope that this week, as you come into the each session and you come into this time where we're going to have a, a real spiritual activity during the course of the week, that that's your heart this week, is that you just want to hear from God, that you just want to hear that, that for, from Him and, and as the Word of God is open, that He'll clearly lead you. And, and I hope that you make requests. You know, the Bible tells us to let us, our requests be made known unto God. And you know, there, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we do have a God that we can make, make requests of. I hope that you're glad that you have this very powerful thing called prayer as part of what God has given us, access to the throne of grace. And I hope that you understand that there's great power in making requests of God. And, and what we find about Ruth was she was a seeker. She went to seek. She went to, to find uh, in, in, in whose sight I shall find grace, she said. And, and the Bible tells us, in regard to that, that we, if we ask, it shall be given unto us. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, we'll, we'll be, the door will be open unto us. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You know, there's so many things in our lives that God would lead us to if we would only make requests. If we would only ask. If we would only come to him with a heart of seeking after that place of grace. And I remember... Again, just, you know, some of you parents, you're in this right now, just like we are, we're praying for God's will for our children. And a big part of that, right, is who will they marry? That's a big question. And, um, and now I, I just saw my daughter's head turn. You pray for that? Yes, I do, right? So, but I, I remember we, we were living there. I mentioned that unit in Harris Park. And we were living in that unit and I was in one bedroom, my sisters were in another bedroom, and I remember distinctly the times when my dad and my mom would kneel before my, beside my, my bed, and they would pray for God's will for my life. They would pray that God would guide me, they would pray that God would, would get a hold of my heart, that, that he would lead and guide, and I would, have a, I, would have a, I would have a clarity about my future, and part of that was right there in that bedroom, 
my, pra- my parents would pray that God would lead me to the right wife. And I remember, you know, as probably a, as a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, I, I was just hearing that and I was going, ew. <laughs> but the reality was, as, as I look back at that, I'm thankful that my parents were praying. I'm thankful for my parents who, who prayed and made requests from God for me. And, and what we found later as we went along the journey, we moved out of that place and a couple of years later, we were in our church over there in Sydney, and uh, my wife's family came into the church. And my parents and her parents, they were just getting to know each other, and they started to, started to talk. And at this point, I think we were, uh, we were already engaged. We had gone through the whole dating and all of that, getting to know each other, and we were engaged. And they were just chatting about their history. And they were saying, you know, um, when we moved to Australia, we moved to this suburb and this suburb. And, and then her parents said, you know, we moved to Harris Park. And they said, oh, Harris Park. And they said, well, what, where did you live in Harris Park? We lived in Harris Park. They said, oh, this so-and-so street and this so-and-so unit and this so-and-so flat. You know, it is exactly the same unit. <laughs> and then they said, well, what? Wh- when did you move there? And they gave the date. They moved in after we moved out. <laughs> and they said, where did, where did you sleep? Where was your room? And they said, you know, we were in this room, this room. Oh, you remember that? You know, the shower was a bit leaky over there. And started to talk about all of that. And they said, you know, um, Azariah's room was this room. And you know, it was the same room that I was in. <laughs> and you know what? The same prayers were made by her parents that God would lead her to the right husband in the same room. And I look at all of that, and and the place of grace, our marriage, was all wrought by request. And you know, sometimes we, we underplay just the very simple thing of making requests known unto God. Like we have a God who somehow is limited, somehow has no capacity and power to just make things happen as he wills it. Hey, listen, I want to remind you that we have a great God who is all-powerful, almighty, and is full of grace for you and I. And you know, the places of grace in our lives, they, they can often are wrought by, by request. You know, the, the field, this place was really God's leading and God's will for Ruth's life. It was God's, God's answer to her request. And, and what we find is this request, as God revealed it, it was also it was a place of service and fruitfulness. Because what we find about Ruth was she found this place, and it wasn't just a place to belong. It was a place to be productive. It was a place where she wasn't looking for a handout, but a place to find reward for her labors. And, and too often we forget that we, what we find in the place of God's goodness and God's grace in our lives, and whether that's in a marriage or in a church or in a ministry or in a field of service or in His will, that it's not just about being there, it's about doing something with it. It's about understanding that actually God gives us that as part of our stewardship, to steward that, but also it was also a place of scriptural fulfillment. Because why was she there in the first place? She was there because she understood the law. 
She was there because she was told enough, perhaps by Naomi or perhaps by her father-in-law or by her husband, that, that, that this Moabitess, who was not of the nation of Israel, she understood something about the law that she was supposed to glean. That, that actually built into the Scriptures was the way of blessing and the way of support and the way of supply. And, and again, if I could say to you this morning, you know, don't, 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 don't take for granted that you have the very words of God that can lead and guide you. You know, I've been talking a lot with my children about, about God's will, and, and you know, I don't always use that terminology. I've been talking to them about what God wants, because what God's, God wants is His will to be done. So we've been talking about what does God want in your life, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to dream a little bit of what their future looks like, and I've been talking to them about it, and, and a good question that was asked of me by one of my kids this week is, how do I know what God wants? How can I tell? And I remember just very, very easily, how do you find it? You just have to know God's mind. And what that is, it's God's word. And the, the reason why Ruth was in the place that she was, was because she understood something about what God expected. And for her, in her destitute situ situation, for her as someone who was a stranger into the land, for her who was in, in, a, in a real place of desperation and need, her request was paired with what she knew of the Word of God. And you know, many of us, we make prayers that perhaps aren't aligned with God's Word. The Bible tells us why don't we get the answers to prayer because we ask amiss. We ask to fulfill of our own lusts. And you know, sometimes there's prayers that become unheard because simply they're just not aligned with God's word. They're not aligned with what God wants and God wills. And if you want a guarantee of, of seeing God answer your prayers, is firstly just start here, know God's word and know what he expects of you. And know that that's where you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be. And it was a place of scriptural fulfillment and Ruth knew God's provision through the law and God gave her a place of grace and goodness based not on anything else, not on some sort of random thing. No, really in the first place it came based on scripture, based on what, what she understood in the word of God. And 1 John 5.14 and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And so do you want God to hear you? You want God to lead you to a place of grace in your life? You, you want to know God's will? You want to go to a place of, of production and fruitfulness? Then get in the Word of God. Get in it and, and glean from it the very, the very direction and the very guidance that you need. But also, as we look at it, not only was it a, an answer to her requests, this place of grace was also, it was a, really an expression of God's provision in her life. You know what grace is? Grace is also the same thing as providence. When God, in His, in His mind for us and His heart for us, provides for what we need, 
That's just God's grace upon our lives. It's providence. And obviously, as we've looked through these chapter, this the previous chapter, we see the, the situation that they find themselves in. And so they find them find this time as they go to this field of Boaz, this place of grace. It really typified God's response to seekers. He gives them, he gives them provision. He gives them a place of purpose and he gives them a place of service and benefit. You know, in Matthew 6.33, my life verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, we're so busy sometimes seeking for some other provision. We go and we try to solve our own problems. We go and we try to work out in our own wisdom the very, the very complications of life and then we wonder when it goes awry. We wonder why then sometimes there's a limitation to, to the, the, the very satisfaction that we were desiring in the first place and it comes down to that we seek Him first. And really what it is, at the, at the, uh, when it comes down to it, the place of grace is an expression of God's provision to each of us, but it comes with some responsibilities. I think we see that in Boaz's response. We, we see a disclosure of his offer, but then we also see a disclosure of the responsibilities because when God gives us something, at the end of the day, we are to be stewards of that. Well, we're not meant to just take it for granted and just use it for... No, no, there's, there's a purpose in it. And, and Boaz responds in this way. Firstly, look at verse 8. So Boaz comes to the scene. The servants are greeted in verse 6. She then speaks to them. I pray you let me glean in verse 7. Again, reiterating, I want, I, I want to be in this place. Verse 8, then said Boaz unto Ruth, notice his response, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Moses, go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Now, once she understood that this was a place of grace, Boaz's advice, and by the way, Boaz is a great type of the Lord Jesus. We'll look at that eventually, but we're going to see that once we know where the place of grace is, once we know what the will of God is, he says, go not to another field. He says, be faithful to the field of which I've provided. You know, sometimes we do seek God's will, and, and like we learned last week, sometimes God answers in His grace in a different way to our expectation. But what God's, God's answer is, is God's answer. And so He gives us that, and, and now His expectation is, and our responsibility is that we would be faithful to that field that we would be faithful to the, the, the answer to which we have been seeking and that we're faithful to this field of ownership and this field that He's called us to, this place of grace. And, and what it is, is, is when it comes down to it, God's will is best kept when we're fully committed to it. God's, God's will and God's plan works best and is, is best benefited from when we're fully engaged in following that will. And he said, don't go to another field. You know, stay in this field. You've found it a place of grace. You've found it a place of blessing. You've found it to be of satisfaction to you. And he's saying, don't straddle the fence and don't look over the fence 
No, no, stay in the place. Stay in this field. You know, I think about the times when, uh, when I questioned whether I should be what I, what I am now. What am I doing? You know, sometimes in, in, in life and in ministry, you go through times where it's just a bit dry, where it's a bit difficult, where maybe it's not as obvious the way God's working. And sometimes I've, I've sat in my office and I've wondered, should I even pastor? Should I even do this? And should I even... And I've got to go back to that understanding that is this God's will for my life? Is this where God would have me? Is, is this what I, I would... And, and, and as, as he confirms that, then there, there ought not to be then a looking around. You know, it's funny, the other day, um, I, I just remember a couple of years ago, just things were really slow. Things were just, I, there was a bit of a struggle. And, and I remember just questioning whether this is what I should do. And, and I had a real moment of weakness. I went to LinkedIn and put a profile together, right? And, and then I started looking, what else can a pastor do, you know? And I was looking around and looking and, and, you know, after that I quickly closed it. I was like, and I, I apologized to the Lord. I said, Lord, I had a moment of doubt. But I remember just this week I got an email from LinkedIn. <laughs> Jobs for you. <laughs> but I gladly, you know, it's not a place of doubt right now. But I look at it and I go, you know, sometimes in our lives as we go about, if, if what we're going through is difficult and hard, sometimes we start to question whether this is a place of grace. And you know, the only person that can answer that is a person of grace. You've got to seek God. And you've got to get, get Him. And, but when He does tell you, then be faithful. Be faithful regardless. Be faithful whether it's hard or not. Be faithful just to continue. Be faithful to seek Him. But then He, he says in verse 9, Notice that he says, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And go thou after them, have I not charged a young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. But his command to her was, Go reap. Go glean. And what that is, it, there, was a, there was an instruction for her to tend to the place of God's grace. It says, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And you know what it is, it, when it comes to it, we, we, we need to be in a place of grace, but we need to maintain it and we need to be a part of it. You've got to feed it. You've got to understand then your responsibility is to tend to the field. And you know, you can't, you, can't, you can't fight the very thing that God's blessing you with. And you know, too many times we, sometimes in, in, God's, in God's boundaries for us and in God's, uh, God's way of keeping us within His will, We'll fight against the very things that God's trying to keep us there. And we will go, better be, be, be the, the type of people that once we know where the place of grace is, that we'll just contribute and we'll be part of that. We'll labor to maintain it. We'll labor for its success. You know, don't fight against the, the, the very graces of God in your life. And he, t he tells her, look to the field. Reap and glean. Do what you're supposed to do. And we, we put the effort into the place of grace if we're going to make full use of it. And then he reminds her in verse 9 again, have I not charged the young men? You know what it is? It's also this place of grace, this place of, uh, of God's provision is not only it's a, a place to attend, but it's a place of protection. You know, it's that old saying, the, 
the safest place in the world is in the middle of God's will. You know, you could be in any part of the world. You could be in the most dangerous part of the world. You could be in a place where you can't, you're not, you're not attuned with the culture even. You can be in a place where there's not those things that you grew up with and you could be in a place where you don't fully understand how things work yet. You could be in a place where there's physical danger. You could be in a place where, where there's, there's, there's many things that could go wrong. But if that's the place of God's will for you, you know what comes with it? It comes with His power and it comes with His protection. It comes in the place and He says, I charge the young men not to touch you. He says, look, you're going to be looked after, Ruth. You're going to be in a place that you're going to find protection in the field. But then it's only going to be, the, it's also the place where she's going to find satisfaction. Because she says there, when he says there to her in verse 9, and when thou art athirst, go into the vessels. You know, there's provision in the place of grace. You know, we're going to find satisfaction. You know, it's amazing to me that in response to, to, to seeking him and drawing nigh to him, in our seeking after God, that, that not only does he give us a place, he gives us a place of great blessing. He gives us a place where he goes way beyond. And, you know, often we don't recognize this, but we respond uh, sometimes feeling as if we're restricted, feeling as if we're owed a little bit more. You know, sometimes as, as parents, we, we, we tend to have a budget, right, when we come to trying to get, get things for our, our kids, we want to we wanna make sure we secure their future. And so in the short term, we buy them gifts that maybe aren't to their liking. Maybe it's not something that they expect or something that they truly want, but it's a gift nonetheless, isn't it? And, and you know, we do the best we can as parents, but sometimes we, don't give, we can't give everything in the short term. Why? Because as parents, we have a mindset of the long term. That actually, this is for them still in the long run. You know, the, the Bible tells us that, that we, are to, we are supposed to give an inheritance to our children's children. There's a stewardship. And so sometimes in the short term, we don't give them everything they want. Why? Because in the long term, we want to provide for them something greater. And you know, sometimes that's how God works with us. He doesn't fully give us everything in the short term. But he's working for us a far greater weight of glory. He's working for us a greater inheritance to come. And he's working for us there for our own good and, and, and for, for his will and for his glory. But sometimes we don't see that. And yet, it's a place of satisfaction. It's a place where we find ourselves understanding God's provision in our lives. That it's an expression of God's provision. But then, not only that, is this place of grace that. So it was, a, it was an answer to her request. It was an expression of God's provision. But then, notice verses 10 to 13. Notice this, this response by Ruth. And probably, probably some of the most favorite passages of Scripture for me. Because I love her response here, and I hope that this is our heart too. As we consider all that God is doing Notice verse, verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? 
You know, to begin with, when we met God, we were strangers. You know, sin has cast us out. Sin has made us uh, aliens to the things of God. And yet, when God came into the picture, He showed great grace. And you know what this place is? This place of grace is not only an answer to request, not only is it an expression of God's provision in our lives, but actually it's an opportunity to show gratitude and faith. You know, it ought to humble us when God leads us. It ought to humble us to understand that God has a place for us, a place of grace. And I love her response here where she says, Why? Why have I found grace in thine eyes? You know, I, I ask God that sometimes. I think about how God's led and, and you know, there's been the trials, no doubt. There's been times, like I said, where I've, you've been pretty low and you, you start to doubt and you start to wonder what actually God's doing. But, you know, when it comes to it and I summarize my life, I think about just God's grace. And I ask, why have I found grace in your sight? And Ruth asks the same question of Boaz. She recognizes all that he is providing. And, and she's moved to this point of just humility. And what it was, it was gratitude and faith. She, she found a place of grace. And, and what it was, it established a heart of gratitude, not a spirit of entitlement. You know, she didn't, she didn't throw it back at him like, yeah, well, I'm here. <laughs> no, she, she found humility. You know, sometimes when, sometimes rather than letting the goodness of God drive us to humility and repentance, sometimes the goodness of God is mistreated and it drives us to being spoiled. You know, I think about the, the nation we live in and it's not a perfect nation. It's not, not the perfect place, but it's a good place. You look at the, look at the, the way we can live Look at the, 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 the blessings of God, and I, I, think, I think about that. And yet so many times we just take it for granted and we no longer are thankful. We're no longer at that place where we're just humbled before God to even find some grace. And, and, and suddenly we're, we're complaining and murmuring, and suddenly we're like the, the, the nation of Israel journeying through to the promised land, and and they're remembering their former life as if it was any better as, as slaves and under bondage. And, and, and yet here we go, the great freedom and the great liberty that we have through the salvation offered us by Christ Jesus. And we look at all of that and we can sometimes just be entitled. And yet, you know, what, what, what happened in the life of Ruth is when she understood God's place of goodness and grace in her life, it humbled her. It made her thankful. It made her, it made her show gratitude to the one that was offering her grace. I think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 8 verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. I think about what he said in Psalm 144 verse 3. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? Or the son of man that thou makest account of him? You know, you think about the, the lives that we live and you think about the, the fact that God reaches down and in, in, our, in, our, in our situation as sinners. The Bible tells us God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We had nothing to offer God. 
We gave God no benefit. And, and Ruth, she had nothing to offer Boaz. And so she found herself in that grace. And she, she was thankful. And she was humble. And she was low. You know, finding a place of grace should humble us, not, not puff us up. And, and Ruth was humbled by Boaz. You know, sometimes I think, I think we've forgotten that as Christians. You know, we live in a world, no doubt, it's wicked. We, we look around and we see the world spiraling out of control. But, you know, sometimes we can face the world with a puffed-out chest, thinking like somehow we're better than everyone else. No, 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 were it not for the grace of God. You know, sometimes we look at the world and we no, no longer feel sorry for the world. We're just angry at the world. We're just angry at society. We're angry at the way things are going. No, listen, they don't know any better. Hey, we would have been there too were it not for the grace of God. And we need to have a, a balanced attitude and just go, you know what? We need to win people. We need to tell them about a good God. who, And we need to be humble in our approach. And we need to have a, a humility about us and we need to understand that, that perhaps it's just that they're going through a difficult situation and perhaps we have the answer because we've found grace as well. You know, too many times we approached this life with a bit of a chip on our shoulder about the very things that God's rescued us from. And Ruth never got puffed up by God's grace. And we shouldn't as well. The Bible tells us, blessed are the meek. Why? For they shall inherit the earth. And it's meekness, it's lowliness. The, the place of blessing is a place of gratitude. It's a place of humility. Hey, listen, when was the last time you actually thanked God? Rather than complaining for what you have. When was the last time we just, we just looked at all that God has done in our lives and we, just, we were to the point where we were just humbled to bow and just say, God, thank you. Hey, some of you kids, it's been a while since you've thanked God for, for the parents that you have. You've just, you've lived in the household they've worked hard for. They've gone about and they've sacrificed for you and you've not said one thing this week. You've not said one thing to them and perhaps to God to say, thank you, God, for my parents and thank you, God, for how they've provided and thank you, mom and dad. When was the last time some of you who are, were ministered to in your life groups or you, you, a friend of yours that God has put in your way to be a help and a blessing when was the last time you just showed some gratitude to God and then gratitude to those that have offered you grace? Because gratitude and humility is, is really this place of grace. But then really at the end of it, notice verses 12 to 17. So she falls on her face. Boaz answers and says unto her, it's been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. So she, he, he recognizes all of her good work and all of that, that, that she had done for her mother-in-law. And, and notice her, his heart for her. The Lord, verse 12, recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast com com uh, comforted me, and for that 
Thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. She recognizes, again, she's a stranger. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And notice this, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. That was significant. This was much more. And the last thing I want to tell you, this place of grace is really, it's a reserve of unseen generosity. You know, much of actually what God gives us is unseen. You know, much of the generosity that he has, we just don't even think about. And what it was, she made further requests. You know, she she said again, uh, let me find favor in thy sight. His response was, you're going to get the full reward of your labors. And, and, And so there was a reward that came from her request, from her seeking for further. And, and, and by the way, I want to tell you that, you know, sometimes we think God's just, just done it, but he can do more. And we can seek him for more. You know, it might be that God's brought you to a place of grace. You know, it's bigger than you think. And, and the, the, this place of grace is more generous than you ever imagined. There's more in store as we humble ourselves. What we see Boaz doing something with Ruth is that she had really no idea what was about to happen. She, she already felt a great sense of His grace, but this was yet more grace. In fact, it was generous grace. And where we see here, this place is going to be fully, fully revealed to her. You know, I think um, what we find firstly, and, and this is what Boaz told her, come to the table. Notice again in verse 11, he recognizes, Thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not. And in verse 14, Boaz said, Come thou hither, and eat of the bread at the table. You know what God's grace, it's a, it's a, God's place of grace includes its seat of belonging and it's a seat of nourishment. You know, when you find God's will, it often comes with God's people. It often comes with a place of belonging. It often comes where he, he recognizes where, where we're at and where we've come from and he places us in a place not only of, of, of provision, but it's a place of of belonging, it's a place of nourishment. And I think about the fact that actually God's placed us, each of us, into the church. But God leads us to the local church. And it should be a place of belonging. You know, they, they understood, that his servants understood his heart. His servants understood that, that Ruth was to be there, that Ruth was to, to be treated as someone that that Boaz wants to favor and Boaz wants to, wants to bless. And, and this stranger, this one who didn't even belong to the nation of Israel, this one who was a Moabitish woman, this one who was a stranger, was brought in and grace given meant a place of belonging and nourishment. And I want to tell you, that's you. You know, we're all strangers. God, in His, in his, uh, in his goodness to us, He 
led you to a place of believing and knowing Him as your Savior. And He's placed you into a body. It's placed you into a family. And He's placed you into a people that you're supposed to belong to. And, and you're supposed to be amongst the branches. You're supposed to be amongst the, those that are called God as their heavenly Father. You're supposed to be amongst those that are of the household of faith. And, and, and Ruth begins to understand, you know, Boaz saw him as a stranger but brought, him, brought her in as one of his. And later he's going to make that very clear to her. But he brought her in. You know, right, right from the, the whole mindset and the, the whole c- civilian code of the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 10, 18, he, he commands him, doth, He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. The psalmist said it this way, The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. You know, God's heart is for those who are just outcast. God's heart is for those that maybe society forgets about. God's heart is for those that, that are just anonymous. You know, you think about where we would be at, many of us would not know each other if we didn't belong to God. Many of us, we probably wouldn't be friends. We probably wouldn't sit together. We, we probably wouldn't get a sense of family and community if we just weren't saved. But because we, we, we have a person of grace in our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he came into our lives, then we have a place of belonging and we have a place of nourishment. And I'm thankful for that. I hope you're thankful too. And I hope that you come along and I hope that you understand that actually when it comes to the Lord Jesus, Ephesians 2.19, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Hey, you belong. And you know, God's grace is, is in the unseen. And that's not, that's not always seen. You know, when you go, go about each week, we're not always in the same place. But no doubt, please don't doubt it, there are those who will pray for you. There are those in this very place that will call out your name to the Lord God of heaven. And they'll intercede on your behalf. But you know, God's grace comes in the unseen. In verse 15, after she rises up and she goes, notice what, what, um, what he commands his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. You know, what she didn't realize was even though she was just doing what she was doing, Boaz was going about and increasing and blessing even more. You know, we, we don't see it. We don't see all of, all of God's work in our lives. You know, God, God through the course of your life, he's, he's just been putting out more purpose here and there. And you've just been gleaning along because, you know, that's what you do. But all God was doing was unseen. And there's much that probably heaven will only reveal that God did for you and I that we never understood right here. Because she came away and she was like, whoa, I've got an ephah of barley. (laughs) How did that happen? But we see, because Boaz did something in the background. And listen, one day we're going to see it all. But right now, we just got to trust that God's doing it. 
And I want to tell you that God's grace sometimes is in the unseen and it's the things that he does that we never think about, that we never see, that I think we benefit of the most. And it's the protection that he affords that we never see because he prevented it in the first place. It's the provision that he said in the first place that we just happened to walk by and that was it. You know, there's so much more unseen than there is seen. So we've got to look by faith and we've got to see the invisible. In Colossians 1.16, he says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You know, he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he does all of that and all, why? For our good. And he goes about, and you know, we, we go through life, and even the very breath in our lungs, the unseen of that, God allows. You, you think about the preciseness of the universe. You, you think about how, how a, a very slight tilt in the axis of the sun will cause us to burn up or freeze up. And yet the, the very God who placed the stars the very God who understood the, the, the very angle of which this sphere called the earth rotates is the very God who knows about you. And he's the very God who is invisible but is very present in our everyday. And you don't know what's going before us. You don't know what's come already. But, but there's a generosity in God. And God's generous with you when, when you don't even know it. God has given you much more. I think about a story I read about Billy Graham. He was driving through a, a, a small country town and he was in a rush to another appointment and he got stopped by the policeman. And he got booked for speeding. And Graham right there admitted he was guilty and so he, the officer told him, you know, right now you need to go to the court and we don't issue tickets here, you've, you've just got a summons. So he went there right, to, right to, the, to the courthouse of that local town, and the judge asked him, what's your name? So he gave him his full name, William Graham. He said, guilty or not guilty? And he said, guilty, your honor. And the judge replied, he said, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Now, talk about inflation, but... Suddenly, the judge, it dawned on him who this was. He said, you're, the, you're that evangelist, aren't you? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm that evangelist. You violated the law. Yeah, I did. Well, you've got, the fine has to be paid. But the judge looked at him and said, you know what? I'm going to pay it for you. And I'm going to take you out for a meal tonight. <laughs> and you know... Billy Graham looked at that judge and he said, you know, that's how God treats repentant sinners. Not only does he pay our debt, he gives us a generous life. And you know, sometimes we forget that at the very basic of the Christian life, we were saved from certain destruction. We were saved from hell. That's good enough. But you know what's even greater? God gives us more. God gives us a purpose. God, God gives us reward. God gives us supply. 
God gives us a, a, each day a, His mercies that are new every morning. God gives us all of that and all of it is unseen. And if we're not careful, we can forget that we have a God actually who's so sovereign and so powerful and so mighty that He'll do the things that are unseen to just make our lives the blessed lives that they are. And Ruth finds great generosity, God's generosity in this place of grace. You know, there's no coincidence in life. And God gives you, if you're seeking Him, where you should be. And God gives you His leading, and God gives you and lets you get to that place of grace. But we've got to seek Him. And I want, to, I want to ask you, you know, as we head into this week, I don't know what your needs are. I don't know what you're seeking God for, but I hope in the first place you are seeking Him. Because I tell you, God has enough grace, abundant grace, for each and every one of us and much more. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, for the time that we've had in your word. Thank you, dear Lord, that we get to, Lord, just in our estimation, see all of your blessing and your kindness and your goodness to us. And Father, we have no doubt that there's times where there's, there's great hardship and heartache in our lives. And yet, Lord, day in, day out, when we stop to really consider it, Lord, you're gracious and you're good. And you give us, Lord, just a place of grace even at times to be productive, to again see your provision and Lord, to see just how you continue to, to Lord, really give us a, a generosity each day. And Father, if it were not for you, we'd all really just be consumed. And yet, Lord, because of your, your love for us, your grace, you give us each day anew. And you give us mercy. You give us, your Lord, by your compassion, great faithfulness. And so I pray that you'd please help us as we, Lord, just take this time, Lord, to, Lord, to reflect on, on your goodness upon us. And perhaps even this morning, just, just pour out a, a heart of gratitude and a heart of humility. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Why don't we take some time this, this morning? If the Lord spoke to you, maybe it's, just, it's, been, it's been a while since you've just taking a bit of time to just praise him, just show some humility before him and give him the, the praise and the, the, the gratitude that he deserves. Or maybe there's just, a, just a, a time this morning where you just begin to seek him once again. Whatever that is, however the Lord's leading you. As the piano plays, why don't we just commit some time to the Lord in prayer. I want to challenge you. It's the beginning, really, of our conference week. Why don't you come this morning and why don't you just seek the Lord and, and pray, that ask that God would continue to bless the remains of this week. I want to ask each one of you to, to come here at the altar this morning. Maybe families can pray together to say, Lord, you've been gracious to us. You've been good to us. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to places of grace. And Maybe it's been, been too long since you've really even sought the Lord in that way. But as the, the piano plays, why don't we do business with the Lord? If you're here, you're not saved, please don't leave this place without knowing for sure that Jesus is your Savior, heaven's your home. But as the piano plays, the families want you come and just ask the Lord to bless this week. Maybe there's a friend of yours that you know God, God's working in, they're seeking. 
why don't you commit them to the to the Lord in prayer? But as the Lord leads you, why don't we do business with the Lord this morning?